This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, January 13th, the Is Elmo Petty edition? I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's eight and a half, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five, and we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Zach Rosen. I host the Best Advice Show podcast, and I live in Detroit with my family. Noah is four, and Ami is one. On today's show, grab a knife and some veggies. We're heading into the kitchen to help one mom sort out some meatless meals that her kids won't completely hate. And then we're diving into one of life's most complicated relationships, the one you have with your siblings. Is there a secret to raising kids who form lifelong bonds versus ones that spend the rest of their lives tearing each other apart? Hmm. And then we've got some special guests joining us. The great Rachel and Madison from In Case You Missed It, Slate's podcast on internet culture, are stopping by to explain Elmo's feud with a rock. Confused? I'm not because I'm a smoking hot millennial and I saw the whole thing play out from the beginning. So I know exactly what's going on with Elmo and the Rock. But I believe at least one of my co-hosts is confused. I don't know a damn Some thing. Some of you all maybe too. So don't worry. We got the 411 for you later in the show. And on Slate Plus, we're talking about family activities that we're currently enjoying around the house these days. As always, we're going to get the show started with a round of triumphs and fails. Zach, can you kick things off? Sure. I feel like I've been doing a lot of triumphs lately. It's not because my life is so great, but it's because the world is in need of just some small triumphs. So I just want to assure you, listener, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling just as much as, as the next parent. But I'm going to offer a triumph because yet again, my, my daughter's school is not open. Oh, no. We've been delayed two weeks. We were supposed to go back, you know, originally on the third. Then they thought because of COVID, let's push it a week. Then there were more cases, so they pushed it two weeks. So she has been home now for uh, more than a GD month. And it's freezing. I live in Detroit. It's freezing right now. It's so cold. We can't go to the park. It's just too cold. And so my triumph is she's super into climbing trees and climbing at the park. So we knew that she might be interested in this. There's a climbing gym that opened very close to our house, like two miles away. And my wife took Noah, our four-year-old, for the first time last week, and she really took to it. It's this amazing thing that you can do if you are in a cold weather place and your kid needs to expend some energy. A climbing gym. It's safe. It's so cool. And mm. we took her twice last week. I just got back taking her... Um, for the third time in two weeks and she's like climbing up that wall and she's got a, the cutest little harness and um it's been a great way to not go so stir crazy in our house and to kind of have something to look forward to um during these days when we're not seeing other humans inside and it's too cold to go outside so 
uh, little uh, little climber we got over here. I love some rock climbing. Now, is is your gym um, the self belays like the automatic belays, mm-hmm. or are you belaying her? <laughs> they they have both options, and because I don't know what the heck I'm doing, she's doing the auto belay, and I'm just taking pictures and like pushing her butt up when she asks for a yeah. boost. <laughs> I love oh it. Our, our little gym has some bouldering as well because that's very popular yes, here. Yes, ours too. Um, and that's like great for this age. And it's, <laughs> I feel like it's so much safer. I mean, I let my kids do all kinds of things outside that's probably not incredibly safe. But at the gym, it feels like there's so much <laughs> less supervision required um, that it's super nice. The ground is so soft, great... right? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're... exactly. It's, it's not really... like they're falling on other rocks. <laughs> it's so cool. That's awesome. That is super cool. Um, so I'm claiming kind of a similar, I'm taking a triumph because I can't take any more fails, but my triumph is really just surviving the shit show that my house has become. So mm-hmm. school went back last week sometime, but due to numbers here and no mass mandates in school and just, you know, 30% of the class being out, we decided that we would not send Henry, who has this autoimmune disorder, back to school this week and kind of watch numbers, um, which means that I am taking my first foray into um, virtual learning, synchronous learning, whatever you want to call it, whereby I am not in control of the material, but I have to supervise the Mm. material. And I feel like the only advantage and the reason that we are surviving this is because learning (laughs) from all of all of your fails, dear listeners, um, in doing this, that I was very proactive about which things I thought we actually needed um, this kind of virtual learning. So like, for example, he called in today to reading because they have a storyteller there. They're working on um, indigenous stories and the tradition of that. And so they have someone that comes in and does this. That is something that I can't recreate at home. So he called in on Microsoft Teams and one of his little friends carried his laptop to the you know auditorium where they're all sitting and Aww. doing this. And we watched <laughs> on, on video, um, which was really cool. But I also was able to email his amazing math teacher and just say, listen, I've been teaching math for um, the last couple of years homeschooling. I have the books home. I actually have our own curriculum that we were planning to use before we decided to do this, this full-time outdoor school this year. Um, is that okay with you? How do you want me to check in? And he was like, that's great. If you hmm. want to call in, I will set up a Teams meeting, but if you want to just handle it, here's what we're covering. Um, and obviously I've built, I, I'm there a lot at school volunteering. So the teachers all know me and I have a good relationship with them, but it, it has been nice to be able to say like, these are the things in the teachers that I know he needs to be present for. This is the stuff that really we can do at home in half the time um, and just cover. But of course I also have my other kids home and this has really thrown Oliver off, um, just being kind of off cycle. We're not sending um, Teddy into his preschool either, just for the same reasons. And it seems like if we're trying to keep, you know, Henry healthy, we should keep as many people home as we can. So um, that's what we're doing this week. Oliver had kind of this massive meltdown. He has ADHD. And so things can become overwhelming very quickly. And he ended up somehow it was like we just lost control of a dinner situation. He threw some chickpeas. And we were trying to like talk about don't throw the chickpeas. And then next thing I know, he slammed a plate on the counter and it shattered. And that just like, I think he thought we were going to kick him out of the house, even though that's not something we've ever done or would do. He like completely lost his mind was like running around the house screaming. And I was just so proud that Jeff and I were like, 
this is a shit show. It's totally fine. <laughs> like, we're just going to calm everyone down. We ended up just like getting out a board game and all playing together once he calmed down and then having him um, clean up after that. And then he voluntarily asked if he could pay for the plate. So I felt oh. like that was a really good, you know, like, okay, he's still not totally in control of his emotions, but at least we're, we're, we're making it through. But in the, in the moment it was like, okay, now we're, now we're slamming plates on the ground. It's great. So <laughs> we're still here. That's what, what did you tell him when he offered to pay? We accepted the money because I cool. feel okay. like he did break the plate. And this is like his money that he uses for spending on, you know, little toys and stuff he wants. And I think that's an important lesson. He, yeah. he did break the plate mm-hmm. on purpose. Like he, he said, mm-hmm. I was trying to break the plate. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's very different than if you drop a plate by accident, right? Mm-hmm, um, totally. So, yes, he, we even went online and saw exactly <laughs> how much, you know, the Ikea plate. It was $400. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that will be all of your money. No, but, I mean, I think it ended up being, you know, like three-something, because the plate is legitimately from Ikea, the ones the kids eat off of. And um, he, I think it's a good for him to understand the value of, of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And we made sure to just say we still really love you, but I really appreciate how this helps make me feel like you understood what you did and replace, you know, my plate that you broke. So (sighs) that's a triumph. I think you could have just claimed the fact that one of your kids broke a plate and was willing to pay for it as a triumph. Mm -hmm. Let's let's be clear, though, that the offer to pay came like an hour and a half after. (laughs) We need some time to think about so, it. So the, the getting there uh, so was a, difficult. It was a journey. It was a journey. <laughs> Jamila, what about you? Uh, well, I'm going to keep it simple. Naima got to school today. Today was the first day back in three weeks and one day. And she was on time. That is a triumph enough. Nothing else matters. <laughs> That's great. It's a great awesome. triumph. Did she, and she had all her stuff. On time, all her stuff. I believe... That her tablet made its way into her book bag. I am not going to ruin my day by yeah, finding your out problem. otherwise now. <laughs> no so. one's called you for it, right? No I one's think called it, me for okay, it. Okay, listen. No, you're, you're, you're home I think free. I'm doing good. I think I'm doing good. She, was, she had her negative COVID test. She was ready to go. We made it. We're back in school. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Congrats. That's great. Three weeks is a long time. I, like... Zach, I understand. And I just know it's a matter, like, I hate to say it, but like any day now we're going to, it's going to be our turn to sit down for two weeks. It's just, you know, like, it's just too common. Like I'm getting notifications pretty frequently about positive cases within the school. Mm-hmm. You know, it just hasn't yep. hit her class yet. So we've been really lucky. I hope we're, you know, continuing to be lucky, but I'm not going to take for granted that we're going to have school, you know, one day at a time. Totally. One day at a time. One hour at a time. One hour. We're essentially one hour at a time, literally. One hour at a time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, let's move on to our first listener question, read by Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, what are your favorite kid-friendly vegetarian recipes? Can be, but doesn't need to be vegan. For veg nights, we tend to prefer meals that are meatless versus substitute meats. Things like grilled cheese with lentil soup or enchiladas with potatoes and beans instead of using beyond ground beef. Our family's New Year resolution, once again, is to eat meatless three days a week. I've accomplished this in the past with Blue Apron slash gobble deliveries, but they're just not the kids' favorite dinner nights. I want to come up with a simple rotation of six meals this year. Thanks in advance for your ideas. Meatless Mom. All right, Zach, let's start with you. How many great meatless suggestions can you churn out really quickly? <laughs> um, do you want me just to list them? No. no whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think, However you want. Go! No. Okay. <laughs> In fact, I'm actually cooking uh, one of our favorite meatless meals right now. I can smell, I can smell the stuff coming from the oven. So I find that squash is just a great thing to kind of add to pasta as a kind of creamy situation. Um, you can add cheese too, because you're not trying to be cheeseless. You're just trying to, to be meatless. But right now I'm roasting some some butternut squash and using that as an excuse to, th- to sneak in some other vegetables too that, that I'll later puree. So I'm, I'm roasting butternut squash with onions, tomatoes, garlic, and a little bit of uh, rosemary. Mm. And I'm just going to puree that and just pour it on pasta and it's going to be this really creamy i'm actually going to add some ricotta too because you only live once you know so that's just like a great creamy pasta thing you could also add it to farro or barley um if you're trying to be less carby but like why would you be less carby um we eat a lot of pasta in our house so that's a perennial favorite black bean burgers is another good one it's meat ish but and 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 full of protein and can might be able to kind of give you the same uh, you know, hamburger vibes, but but while remaining um, super healthy and vegetarian. So I'm not often going back to the same recipe. Sometimes I'll just like Google best and then fill in the blank, like best black bean burger, best mm-hmm. squash pasta. And I find that best often yields um, some of the best recipes. So black bean burgers is a big one, creamy pasta. And then a third one that folks may or may not be as familiar with is shakshuka. It's um, like a tomato stew with poached eggs. I think it's from Tunisia. I learned about it in Tel Aviv, where my wife's family is from. And uh, we we do that all the time. So it's basically just like a really good tomato-y pasta sauce with poached eggs and make some garlic bread on the side. And then basically, I think no matter what you make, if your kids are a little bit reluctant to try new things, I think you should invoke the advice we got in our Thanksgiving show from the chef and cookbook author Jenny Rosenstrock, who just talks about when her kids ask her, like, what's for dinner? She just delays telling them until it's on the table. And somehow that mm-hmm. works. That gets them to uh, try stuff that they wouldn't otherwise try. So what's for dinner tonight? Instead of saying like, oh, I'm making this butternut squash, you know, puree thing with a bunch of vegetables, just be like, ah, I don't know, I'm just like whipping something up. And then once they smell how good it smells and see that it actually looks kind of good, they might be more likely to eat it. So that's, that's you know, just advice having to do with meat or, or not meat. But I think kids can sometimes, I mean, you know, kids can be annoying. Like one night, my daughter will literally eat a salad like with raw vegetables. And then the next night she'll say it's gross. So 
Don't tell them what's for dinner until they see it in front of them. Yeah, in food, I love that in food therapy, which Oliver's in, they don't give them the name of anything. Like, they don't use any of the names in food therapy. They just describe things or let the kids describe them. So for a long time, blackberries in our house were like the bumpy black fruit, <laughs> you know, or like, cause mm-hmm. they would just talk about like, how does it feel? How does it mm-hmm. taste? So then they, they end up calling things like squash, like, Oh, that's the sweet orange thing. Um, because if I had called it squash, right, he never would touch it because squash sounds yucky, but the sweet orange thing that you like to eat, you know, that roasts or, or whatever. So I think that that's great advice. I don't have a ton of, of functional advice for this question. Um, we do eat mostly meat-free, but Jeff is like our chef extraordinaire in the house, and I'm the ideas <laughs> person. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm always finding new recipes, and he's sort of like, yes or no. Um, we do, like, for our rotations, we really like things with roasted chickpeas. The kids really like those, and we yeah. do something called roasted chickpea wraps, which um, can mm. sometimes look more like tacos and sometimes look more like kind of a Caesar wrap, depending mm-hmm. on what kind of base we're using. Um, but that's kind of always a hit. And when I do things like that, it's nice because they're things that are kind of separated. So we use these separated plates for the kids and then give them, um, so they have like different, like kind of like a bento box and I give them all the elements and then they get a plain plate at the table. So they've got every element that was up at the counter that we're eating, but then they can kind of play with it on this plain plate. And we've just found that they are much more willing to eat things and try different combinations and dip things into like, if we've made kind of like an avocado dip, they'll try different things in there. We also sometimes just offer Oliver's like a huge eater of peanut butter. And so just no matter what we're serving, I offer a little dip of peanut butter and it's super gross because he dips all kinds of things in it, but he's so much What's the more grossest willing. thing he dips in peanut butter? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> he's just like more willing to try like broccoli. Things. Uh, yeah. He's dipped broccoli in there. He dipped right, berries in there. Um, we also give him a little thing of salt. And so he dips things just in the salt, but I mean, he's dipped like, like, squash in peanut butter like just anything because he likes the peanut butter taste yeah and so but at least gets it in his mouth and that's like Mm -hmm. half the battle probably like my favorite cookbook is called the forest feast by aaron gleason and um it's a wonderful vegetarian cookbook they have the forest feast for kids as well I would recommend getting that one from the library because it has probably 40 recipes in it, but they're all super simple that if you made them Mm. twice with your kids, you would know exactly how to make them. But the Mm -hmm. pictures are beautiful and everything is very colorful and she sets out all the different um, ingredients. And so my kids really love to cook from it. I'm also a huge fan of America's Test Kitchen and they have a entirely plant-based cookbook. And what I like about those is it explains to you why you're cooking a vegetable a particular way, which means that then if you go to make something else, you know why, like for me who doesn't cook a lot, I need to understand why the squash needs to roast and what the difference is if I roast it with a little bit of brown sugar, if I roast it with something else, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would recommend those. I also have two um, really great Instagram accounts that I like and feel kind of inspired by um, in terms of this. And again, beautiful pictures that that make kind of fun stuff. So when I show it to my kids, they're kind of excited about it. And one is called um, The Master Chef Mom. And this is Uma. And she's from India and makes all these wonderful Indian mm. dishes, which tend to be already meatless. And then another one is called Organic and Happy. And that's Natasha. And she's making beautiful um vegan meals that um all of these are very approachable like it's all stuff that when i look at i think okay i could i could actually make that even though i just hand it over to jeff but i feel like 
Jamila, you probably have a lot of advice here. <laughs> no, I think you all have uh, probably more than I have to offer. I'm guilty of putting, I, I cook with meat, even though we don't eat red meat or pork, I do cook with turkey and poultry pretty frequently. And it's like permeated a lot of my vegetarian, once vegetarian dishes. Um, but I will say, um, I know letter writer that you're not into meat substitutes per se, like beyond or impossible. But, um, one thing that I find to be helpful when I'm making meatless meals is increasing the number of vegetables or like putting them in places where they wouldn't normally be. Um, so like a gr I love grilled sandwiches, period, especially mm -hmm. if you're a cheese person, um, and they're great with real cheese or, you know, if you found a good vegan cheese that you like, um, some of them do melt really well and make great sandwiches. I don't have a brand that I love at the moment, so I can't recommend one. Um, but like a grill, instead of just doing a grilled cheese sandwich, you can wilt a little spinach, some tomato, you could add pesto, you know, you could do tomato sauce and cheese and make it kind of like a pizza. You can do, um, you know, whatever type of vegetables your kids would be cool having on like a sandwich. You know what I mean? Like even a little wilted lettuce and tomato to me is really good on a grilled cheese sandwich. You can do um, broccoli is good with mozzarella and that mm -hmm. would actually... Uh, that actually makes a surprisingly good uh, grilled sandwich. So does squash, you know, like zucchini um, or yellow squash, like maybe with a little tomato. Um, you could do a little olive oil in the pan as opposed to butter. Um, season the bread a little bit. Uh, that would be super good. One of my favorite meatless meals to make is lasagna. You can make it the regular way with noodles or you can use vegetables as noodles, which I love to do. Mm. Um you mentioned like making something like pizza, but I, we found like make your own pizza night to be a great meatless meal because you can offer so many cool toppings and let the kids yeah. make mm -hmm. a really small pizza, however they want and try different things. Um, and it, it's not that much like food waste, right. And they've gotten to participate. We really like that. We, um, make our own pizza crust from a book called American Pie that has all different kinds and we just freeze them. So we, like we'll do a big day where we make all the crust and then we have the crust available. So that actually ends up being kind of like a quick meal. And the other thing you mentioned that made me think of something is we do a lot of the, mostly when I'm in charge of the meal, like charcuterie plates, but with no meat, like just put out all the vegetables, all the fruits, some olives, some pickles, a bunch of dips and just mm. like put it in the middle of the table and let everyone make a plate. And that's always a big hit. And I feel like the kids try so much more because there's so much out there and they can just take one of something. So nuts and um, all of that. That's a really good like Friday or Sunday meal when you just can't anymore. <laughs> and You just want to kind of mm -hmm. leave it out and people can kind of graze or if you're going to do a board game or something then too. I don't know. Those are those are like my easy meals for me. I just want to add one quick thing. Um be sensitive to how your kid reacts to sauces, marinades, and seasonings because you may think that they don't like vegetables or Ooh. that they don't like a particular kind of vegetable, but really they just don't like the way that you've prepared it or seasoned it. You know, like I grew up thinking I didn't like greens, but I didn't really like the way that my mother cooked greens. Um, I love greens now. I've had them in other ways, uh, and I've come to like the way she made them too, but it, it just, you know... Had I had other options aside from, you know, that, I might have realized that a long time ago. Like, sometimes I'll think Naima's really just, like, turning up her nose at a new food. And it's like, no, I use too much garlic. And she's mm -hmm. a little sensitive to garlic. Hmm. That's a great point. That's, yeah, that's great. 
And just the last thing I was going to say is when you involve your kids in the prep, they're more likely to eat whatever it is you're making. Yeah, Zach, you do a lot of that. Do you have any, like, are are you, um, like, are they cutting the food? Are they, you have them have their hands, like, mixing? Do you have any tips? For yeah, yeah. That? I mean, we got kids' knives for Noah. So, like, for, for cut, you know, she can't cut a squash, but she can cut tomatoes um, and softer things and cheeses. So, yeah, she, she chops, she, she mixes. I, I started letting her flip pancakes recently under my supervision. So, I feel like the more responsibility I give her, the more she's likely to embrace the 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 finished result, the end result. I I totally agree. Anything that's like getting the kids buy-in, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely hungry. Definitely thinking about grilled cheese sandwiches. Grilled cheese pizza sandwich. I'm gonna try that. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm like, yes, <laughs> super good. Sounds so good. Good luck to you, Meatless Mom. We'd love to hear from you if you give any of our suggestions a try. We love updates. Everyone else, if you have a parenting question, send us a line at momanddad at slate.com. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby winning podcast from Marketplace is here to help. I'm Bridget and with my fellow co-host Ryan, We help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts. On to question number two. Let's hear it, Shasha. Dear mom and dad, can you talk about siblings? Like, as a parenting concept, I have a six-year-old and twin two-year-olds, all girls. The twins were a surprise, so while I knew I was trying for one sibling relationship, as they've gotten older and can actually play, fight, interact with their older sister, I've realized I have a whole web of sibling relationships under my roof. I know I can't guarantee they'll be besties for life, as my own relationship with my adult sibling shows, but I'm just reflecting a lot on how I could set them up for success, or at least let them enjoy each other now. Aside from the basics, don't compare them to each other, don't play favorites, be a coach, not a referee, whatever that means. Do you have any thoughts or advice on raising siblings to share? Thanks. Love the show. Mom of sisters. Okay, well, that's something that our two uh, hosts have in common that I do not uh, with you, letter writer. They're raising siblings. So let's start with you, Elizabeth. What sort of advice do you have about trying to keep your kids connected long term? So... One, I think, is that I've tried to let myself a little bit off the hook with this. Like, this is something I thought about a lot because one of the reasons that I wanted 
to have three kids or I wanted my family to look like this was this idea that like we would be a unit later in life because I have one sibling and it sometimes feels like there's a lot of burden with just one other (laughs) person, like just with everything, with our parents, with making Mm -hmm. decisions, like there's just two of us. I wanted a a little bit larger than that, but I realized like I was putting all that pressure on, on myself and the things I'm doing like here in the house for something that I can't necessarily control. Like I can't control a lot of what divides families, but what I can do is try to make in our house, us a unit that cares and loves for each other as a family. And if that carries on, great, right? So having it be all of our responsibility to help out with each member of the family, um, not just that it's like Jeff and I ministering to three children, but that we are a unit. And I will say that that's something that like COVID really helped was like, if we weren't a unit before, <laughs> after a year yeah, together, yeah. like we are now, like we have each other. And also all the moving that we do has really made us a unit because no matter where we go, they have each other. First, I want to say that the the book that really changed my mind on this was Siblings Without Rivalry, and it's just packed mm. with real solutions, lots of research. Uh, if you really want to kind of read what, um, you know, be a coach, not a referee means, this is a great book for you. But mm. the two things that I, I sort of see happening in our family is that making sure that the kids feel like the treatment is fair, not necessarily equal, but that each kid is getting what they, what they need. And this goes particularly, I think, to how like warm is the word I'm going to use you are with each child. And so on days when I'm really struggling with a particular one, because listen, there are days when you do have favorites and when you're just like, this kid is easier today to really make sure that I am being just as warm to the kid that's driving me crazy and, and meeting them where they are, because it's a lot easier to be warm to the kid that's doing exactly what you ask and it, and is easier. And each parenting phase is, is that way. The other thing is that Now, with a two-year-old, you have to be involved some, but as the kids get older, I try to have them manage their relationships themselves and their Mm -hmm. conflict, and I'm coaching each of them on how to do that, but I'm not going in and solving the problem. So if they're, and, and I do think that's kind of like, be a coach and not a referee, like, if I'm always the one that fixes all the problems, I'm forever going to be the person that fixes Mm -hmm. all the problems. If I'm the person who says, like, you know, to Henry, hey, I heard you say these things from a place of anger about your brother. Do you really think those things? How do you think that made him feel? He's going to go to Oliver to apologize because he feels it in here and he wants to make it right. As opposed to me saying like, go give this back right now and say you're sorry, right? So trying to be the coach of their relationship, which sometimes means letting them sit in some anger at home. Like letting them be mad at another one of them for a time much longer (laughs) that, you know, like I don't want to sit in the car next Mm -hmm. to them because they did this to me. It's like, okay, well, we need to work through those feelings, but I'm not going to fix it. Um, So I those are the two things we're doing. Of course, I have no idea how this is going to turn out, but letting myself off the hook and just saying, like, can I try to create this cohesive unit here? um, I think is is hopefully helpful. Yeah, no, I'm sure that's helpful. I haven't even thought so much about like the long-term success of my kids relationship. I'm just, I think also just because we're kind of in the thick of, you know, baby and and toddler right now. But I think a lot about my wife's family. She comes from four siblings and I'm not suggesting that you become observant Jews. Like they (laughs) 
are, but the thing that I think has bonded them so close to one another, one of the things, is the Sabbath. Every week growing up from Friday evening at sundown to Saturday evening at sundown, their family didn't have the TV on. They didn't go out on Friday nights, even when they were teenagers. Like their friends could come there if they wanted, but they didn't go out um, and they didn't drive. And so what that did was that they built in every week, 24 hours where the family just had to be together. There was no other choice. And so every week they played games, they, you know, they did puzzles together again, like into, into their teens. Um, They did all this stuff together because, you know, whereas, whereas, you know, my sister was a little bit older, but like, I just like, she just started leaving the house when she was a teenager on Friday nights and Saturday nights and Saturdays during the day. You know, I had my friends over, I could be in my room, I could be playing video games. When you take all that stuff out, what you have is just like intense bonding time. Um, And, you know, my wife's probably on the phone with one of her siblings right now. There's a good chance of that because I don't know if it was because of the Sabbath, but I think that they just really prioritized spending time together in the moment. And I don't think they had an agenda of like, we want to be best friends later in life. It was just like, this is important to us now and we are going to do that. And so, you know, again, you don't have to observe Shabbat, but you could block out time every week where it's just going to be like, we're going to just hang. We're just going to hang. We're going to put our phones away. Um, phones would be another thing that you wouldn't use on 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 Shabbat. So yeah. um, I think that would set set kids up for success and for long term, you know, friendship success and for sharing with one another. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I will just add, um, I am a younger sibling. I was the only child in my household, though, so I had a little bit of you know the best of both worlds of being spoiled like an only child and being a baby sister but I didn't have the privilege of growing up with siblings in the house but what I can say through observation of my siblings who did grow up um, together don't let stuff go unresolved Mm -hmm. you know like you do have to pay attention and put a lot of care into maintaining the quality of this relationship while your kids are under your roof you know like if they are going through something, if there's a long-term, you know, uh, source of tension that you can observe, you need to deal with it. You know, like you, you don't want these things to spill over into adulthood and they very well can, even with siblings that are close, you know, and who would say that they have a good relationship, you know, uh, many of them carry over childhood stuff. And I think that that can be because parents do want to be, you know, not coaches nor referees. They want to be outside of it, you know, especially Mm -hmm. when you start talking about teenagers, you know, and oftentimes teenage girls, I think there's an instinct to stay out of their things. It's drama, it's emotional, but like, no, these are young people that are having valid experiences and, you know, dealing with um, high velocity emotions and real stuff. And they have conflicts and problems amongst each other as as siblings that may seem very small and trivial to us as adults, but to young people, they mean the world. And if it's not resolved in youth, it can continue into adulthood. And it might've really been something that would be small or trivial for an adult, but it's planted. It's laid the ground for, you know, negative engagement between, you know, two or more people for a long time. So. Jamila, I feel like too, I don't want you to sell yourself short because I, I do feel like you do a lot of things to help Naima's relationship with her brother. Like 
it feels like sometimes you're intentional Definitely. about that as well, even though that's not extended family, but not in yeah. your little um, group. So although she's not a sibling necessarily at your house all the time, I just saw like you made sure to make sure that relationship was still intact, like during COVID and Mm -hmm. um, making sure she has that support. And do you ever think about like, like, do you have these feelings of like, I hope they stay friends, (laughs) you know, forever. Absolutely. (laughs) She like, they are really close and they like 18 months apart, you know, like they're buddies and, and, you know, they're at, at their dad's house, they're brother bear and sister bear, you know, and I really want them to have that relationship forever. And I know they fight a lot, you know, um, and my mom, who grew up with a lot of brothers and sisters, you know, has confirmed, yeah. as have other people, that that's completely normal. That's what siblings do. And they love each other really hard, too. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I envision them, you know, hopefully going to school together when they get older and, you know, having each other's backs. And it means a lot to her that he's her little brother and that he knows that she cares about him. And I think that is something that you want to say to your children, you know, that like, why does this relationship matter? Like we just assume that like they should know that they should love each other because they're brother and sister or just like, Hey, that's your brother. That's your sister. What does that mean? You know, like, don't be mean. She's your sister. Like we have to make real brotherhood and sisterhood and, and family bonds for them so they can, you know, really have them. And, and a lot of times it feels like they say the meanest things to their siblings or do it because they know that they're still loved. You know, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't say this to my friend cause they might walk right. away, yep. but this person can't walk away. But I think coaching them through that to say like, but at some point they may walk, like they may just grow tired of that. You know, that's kind of the coaching that I think is important to do with your kids. Well, thank you, uh, mama, sisters, and good luck to you. Please keep us posted on how your trio is doing. We love updates. And for the rest of our listeners, again, you can email us at slate.com with any kind of parenting question you may have, any kind at all. We're moving on to a segment we affectionately call In Case You Missed It, Mom and Dad. And that is because the wonderful Rachel Hampton and Madison Malone Kircher, hosts of Slate's podcast on internet culture, have stopped by to fill us in on the Elmo feud that is all over social media. I'm so proud because I know all about this. I saw it take off from a moment with just very few retweets. That was a little funny before it became a thing. So I feel very young and very with it for knowing exactly what's going on. But for our listeners who are unclear, what is going on with sweet little Elmo? He's fighting with somebody. He's he's out of control. (laughs) I feel like we have to begin with a call and response, which is, an oatmeal container, a wooden bowl, and you say, <laughs> oh, we have a lot of a work past- to do, Rachel. Uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I can't answer I because we about. already know. <laughs> 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 All right, we're going to start right there. <laughs> this is the precursor to the pet rock situation. This is why you know about the pet rock is because for weeks on TikTok, there was a secondary level of Elmo virality building to springboard the Rocco feud to okay. your Twitter feeds. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yes. Okay, so very, very briefly, in December, there's this audio of Elmo uploaded to TikTok, and it goes a little something like, an oatmeal container, a wooden bowl, a plastic water bottle, a paper towel roll. And uh, 
You're welcome. And incredible, incredible impression once again. Sound just like it. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. I'm available. Um, but this goes viral because the way Elmo says paper towel roll really resonates with people. An oatmeal container, a wooden bowl, a plastic water bottle, and a paper towel roll. Which leads us to more Elmo clips surfacing. Enter Zoe, another Muppet, and her pet rock, Rocco. Rachel? Yeah, so... Basically, what people seem to be noticing is that Elmo is uh, kind of a savage, a little bit sassy, very much kind of, I mean, Madison described him as a bully. I don't use those words in this household, but, you know, he, he seems to not enjoy Zoe's pet rock, Rocco. And by not enjoy, I mean, he um, repeatedly says that she's not, that the rock's not alive, which is true. But are any of them alive is another question that we could be asking. There you go, Rocco. Oh. Ooh, oatmeal raisin. Boy, that's Elmo's favorite. Mm. Oh, Gabby, can Elmo have an oatmeal raisin cookie instead, please? Oh, gee, Elmo, that was my last one. Oh, that's okay, Gabby. Elmo will just take this one. No, 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 wait, wait, Elmo. What? Rocco says that he wants the oatmeal raisin cookie. Rocco? Rocco's a rock, Zoe. Rocco won't know the difference. Yes, he will. He, he, you can't have that cookie, Elmo. Rocco wants to eat it. How? How is Rocco going to eat that cookie, Zoe? Tell Elmo. Rocco doesn't even have a mouth. Rocco's just a rock. Rocco's not alive. And so a lot of these clips of Elmo feuding with Rocco resurface because everyone on the internet is full of nostalgia and also because I feel like all of us as adults forgot that Elmo is kind of a little bitch a little bit and <laughs> just we're like oh Elmo teaching us about ABCDs and then you're like oh wait no here he is telling Zoe that her pet rock does not deserve a cookie and so this is part of why these clips are going viral. Elmo is three though like he's yeah. supposed to be three if you have a three-year-old in your house, this is who you're living with. You are living with the person right, that like, insists that the rock doesn't get a cookie and loses no. their mind. Yeah. In fact, they actually insist that you don't get a cookie because you're a mom. And moms are, you know, not right. allowed to have cookies. Three -year -old. Like, they, they're completely insane. Elmo is a bitch until you have a three-year-old. Then you're like, oh, <laughs> oh wait, Elmo's just got, three. It. got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And you can use so, the transitive property there, the, the three-year-old, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't think this denies the fact that Elmo is, in fact, a little bitch. Y'all are just living with little monsters. That's I will right. not Tiny bullies in your houses. <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, what I'm hearing is y'all are getting bullied by three-year-olds on a consistent basis. True. We did. True. We did. <laughs> Mine continues to bully me. He's five. Still happening. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. But so, Mine is almost nine. It's worse. So... <laughs> It was a it was a parenting account, a mom account that that first started sharing this. It seems oh. like it. Then how did it come across? Like y'all, are you guys following a lot of mom bloggers? No, but you're underestimating the power of the hashtag and of mom talk. <laughs> because TikTok TikTok doesn't understand that a thing that is viral about say content for three year olds doesn't interest me as someone who doesn't have a three year old. They just know that I'm interested in things that are going viral. Hello, mm -hmm. Elmo. <laughs> but then you are interested in the mom content <laughs> so it worked <laughs> they got me they totally got me what's so compelling about the way he says paper towel roll 
everything's really chill. It's like an oatmeal container, a wooden bowl. And then Elmo comes in and is kind of just yelling a little bit. Like, he just, he sounds really hype. Like, imagine the kind of DJ in the song saying, like, Maybach music or, like, DJ Khaled screaming DJ Khaled. That's kind of how Elmo comes in. And it... (laughs) In the middle of his own sentence, he interrupts himself with this excitement (laughs) about paper towel roll. Exactly. It's like the Kool-Aid man busting into the song and you're like, whoa, okay, I guess we're excited about a plastic water (laughs) bottle and a paper towel roll. It's like, where is Elmo supposed to be from? <laughs> Harlem. Great question. <laughs> from Elmo- Sesame Street. Yes. <laughs> Which is Harlem. Yeah. Which is Harlem. I mean, he sounds a bit... I mean, have you heard Elmo say balsamic vinegar? <laughs> well, he says it like a, a man from the Bronx, specifically a black man from the Bronx, which means that Black Twitter has claimed Elmo as a member of the African diaspora, which I feel like <laughs> if you look at his mother... The woman has 4C curls. So clearly, clearly, Elmo somewhere out there is, is rocking in the Bronx with his black puffer jacket. So we had Elmo on the show. Do you guys know this? That in the spring of 2020, we actually, Elmo Grace. The Elmo? Our, the Elmo came the on Elmo our show. The Elmo was here. Yes, yes. It Ooh. set the, uh, the Facebook group on fire. Um, love, hate, <laughs> but we had a lovely time with him. Like he was surprisingly funny. So I guess I'm wondering, like, is he just playing to the audience? Based on everything you've said about Elmo being a bully and three-year-olds being a bully, I'm not convinced that Elmo didn't put you up to saying all of these nice things about <laughs> Elmo to begin with. <laughs> yeah, he's outside my door. <laughs> <laughs> just like thumping a paper towel roll yeah, against yeah. his open furry palm. <laughs> Blink twice if you need help. (laughs) All adults report to Elmo. He like half raised our kids. Elmo taught my daughter about line dances, which is something (laughs) she might not have learned easily because she's not being raised in Chicago where both of her parents are from. I'm talking about like the cha-cha slide and the juke slide and all that stuff. Um, Zach, you may know this too, being from Detroit. Sure. Uh, Sure. She didn't get a lot of exposure to them, like, unless we were at somebody's... I mean, I don't bring her to weddings, so there's that. So basically, when was my child going to learn the African-American art of the line dance? And Elmo had a slide. And my daughter was obsessed with it. People don't know. Like, I want black... Like, I never use TikTok. Like, I just watch it. I never... Like, I'm going to upload the Elmo slide to TikTok and take over. Yes, bring it's, that back. Yes, the part Elmo of the slide. culture. Please. The Elmo... He's sliding. Like, slide to the left. Slide to the right. Elmo. It's amazing. And I can't believe people haven't found this yet. It's probably going to come up. We're really fully in the Elmo nostalgia cycle. People are discovering all these things about Elmo that they didn't know. I mean, most of us, I mean by us, most of the people who are listening to our show and me and Madison have not seen children's content in a, in a long time. And so everything feels new and exciting. And I'm just like, give me all of it. Bring back like between the lines. I'm ready for all of it. <laughs> Thank you both so much for being here, Rachel and Madison. And listeners, if you want to dive deeper into the Elmo web, check out, in case you missed this episode, where they talk more about this and they take a closer look into the theory that Elmo is, in fact, a member of the Black community. I've just given you a gift, basically. I was like, (laughs) there's more evidence. It's a really good episode, and we're going to link it in the show mm-hmm. notes. And we will also link to the episode where we had Elmo on the show. He's probably never coming back now. 
Um, it was a lot of fun. If you need some good wholesome content around our red furry friend as well. Again, Rachel and Madison, thank you so much for keeping us in the loop. Thank Thanks you. For us. It's finally time for recommendations. This is when we tell you about something that we're currently enjoying. I will start with you, Elizabeth. What are you recommending this week? Okay, well, I come on here all the time and tell you all that you should be doing poetry tea time and reading poetry to your kids. I'm still a huge fan of that. But I also think it's good to have them write some poetry. And um, our local library is actually hosting a poetry contest for fourth graders. So we were, I had printed that out and was working on that with Henry. And then my other kids were interested. So I Googled poetry contests for kids. Kids, and it turns out there's a ton of them, but one that actually is for um, kids K through 12 is the Sarah Mook Poetry Contest. We'll put a link in the show notes and um, entries are due in March. So there's plenty of time, but oh. my kids were so excited about the idea of writing something and sending it in and having someone else oh. read it. And they put some um, up online that you can share and seeing poetry written by other, like especially Teddy, who was like, kindergartners write poetry and it's like well anyone can write poetry so I really if you're looking for something to do the great part about writing poetry and is that it really doesn't take that long like writing stories can be very involved but you can choose a very simple form of poetry that you can sit down and do in an hour and produce something that they can be proud of and if you want to send it off great um poetryteatime.com has a list of a ton of other ones um if you're in Colorado Springs the and have a fourth grader, you know, the public library is doing one and they display all the poems um, last year in the windows of the library so that people could come by and see them. So I just really encourage my kids were so excited about it. And I was like, this is so fun. I never would have thought of this. So I encourage you if this sounds like something that might be fun to, to enter a poetry contest and they have ones listed for adults too. So if you want to get in on the fun, um, enter your, you know, sending it off feels so fun and official and getting to put it in an envelope. I don't know. My kids like that stuff. For sure. That's great. Very nice. Zach? Yes. Uh, in a past episode, I don't remember when, but I expressed my frustration in trying to get my kids to like good music um, when Noah will really just demand listening to. These days, it's um, Elena of Avalor on Disney. We listen to that yeah. album. It's it's kind of good, but it's it's not great. And so... I got a recommendation from the Facebook group, from the Slate Parenting Facebook group, which I just recently joined. Slate Parenting group member Robert told me that he has had success getting uh, his then four-year-old to love grown-up music by getting her to watch funny musical movies such as Mamma Mia, The Greatest Showman, etc. He says she also likes catchy Euro pop band like Aqua. Um, and so I think that that's a great idea for a kind of gateway drug. Like, all right, maybe they're not quite ready for the Beatles, but if they watch, you know, Annie or whatever, that might be a way for them to leave the the kitty stuff behind um, and and try something a little more sophisticated. So Robert, thanks. I really appreciate that. I am going to try this. We actually watched Annie the other day and um, Noah liked it. And the music in Annie is great. And so maybe... You know, maybe we'll move on to Sondheim from there, but we'll see. Have you done Encanto yet? Oh, yes. Playing, so okay. playing at your house constantly. That's, playing right that's, now? All, yes. that's all we're hearing all the time. Yes. <laughs> Which isn't so bad. The music is great. The music is I mean, great. Thank you, Lynn. You know? Yeah, that's all that, Naima wants to. That guy won't stop. That guy won't stop writing good music. Which is great because 
Moana was great until it was played a bazillion yes, times. So I'm glad to have. Time. Steady oh my god! Steady looking stream. at my Spotify, <laughs> looking at my Spotify Wrapped uh, at the end of the year is so sad. It's like you listen to Doc McStuffins <laughs> five million times. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what about you, Jamila? Okay, so my recommendation is to go follow me on Instagram like today. Because, I mean, you don't have to follow me, but, like, just go. Because today, Thursday, the day that the show actually airs, um, at some point, a story that I wrote is coming out. I'm very excited about it. And I want to just say what it's about and where it's for and all that stuff. But, like, with my luck, it'll, like, oh, sorry, it's coming out next Monday. And then I'll feel like a fool. And I can't, like, tease it, you know? Like... I am very excited about this story. I worked very hard on it. I have to say, I think this is definitely like one of the biggest stories of my career by far. And I'm nervous about it. I'm excited about it. It's coming out on Thursday. So I'm going to share it on my Instagram and maybe on Twitter. Um, so like, come find me there if you want to see it. You should follow Jamila on Instagram anyway, because you're missing out if you're not. You're very sure. sweet. I don't post sure. very often. You don't post but... very often, but when you do, I'm always like, I'm just so excited to see your your <laughs> stuff. I, I think I said I send you like the heart eyes. All I'm like, I see you, yay! So I feel like sweet. it's so exciting. But this, okay, Zach and I know know what it they is. They know the thing. Yeah, we know the thing, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so we are both gonna say, hit the follow. You're not gonna want to miss it. it. Follow. <laughs> yeah, so exciting Congra stuff going on today. Me, Thank you. Thank you. I am somewhere right now, not on social media, hopefully. I have posted it and moved on with my day, staying distracted and focused otherwise. But yeah, and if you've seen it by now, then you know exactly what I mean. But that's it. And that is our show. Uh, before you go, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify, which now has reviews. And if you have a question for us, again, send us an email at momanddad at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group, which you can find by just searching for Slate Parenting on Facebook. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belton. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.